0: you take your copy of God's Word join me in Psalm 120. Psalm 120. Whew, that song uh, has be- become one of my favorite reminders of God's grace and how He operates and in His sovereignty and in His providence works in my life to answer prayer. And that's one of the things we're going to see this morning from Psalm 120, that God answers prayer so often in a way we don't want Him to. (laughs) But we know that that's what is best. God does all things for His glory. He does all things for our good. And we don't know what is best for us in every situation. And so when we say, God, please grant me grace and grant me peace and answer this prayer that I might be more like Christ. And what we expect is that in some favored hour, He might be be keen to answer our request in a way that in a moment we're purified, we're sanctified, and we are like Christ. But that is not what he decides to do. So all I'm doing, really, is reminding you of what you just sang. See, we come in sometimes and we just go through the motions. We sing because that's what people expect. But let me encourage you. Think about what you sing. You are preaching the gospel to yourself and to others. That's what we do. We encourage one another with hymns, songs, and spiritual songs. We minister to one another when we sing. And so as we sing that, we minister to one another, but we minister to our own hearts and we remind ourselves that this process of sanctification is one that God is determined to see through in our lives. What He decides to do, He will do. The good work He began in you, He will see to completion, praise God. But it's not always the way that we would have written it. It's not all the way, all, all, all the time the way that we would have said this is what we desire. But when Christ gets a hold of our hearts and we say we want to be like Him, we expect that everything is going to go chummy. It's going to go peachy. But sometimes the answer to our prayers is God allows the angry soul, the angry powers of hell to assault our soul at every part it's true in his providence the devil is god's devil he is and he can command him however he wishes we see it in the life of job we see it in the history of israel with the ahab and he does that and then when it seems as though he may relent it seems with his own hand He is intent to aggravate my woe. Why is this? I trembling cried. And he he says, listen, you prayed that you would be more like me. You prayed that you would experience the grace of the Lord. And this is how I answer those prayers. Some of you in this room have have felt the weight of having God answer that prayer in your heart in a way where you feel like you've been assaulted by the angry powers of hell. And you feel as though even God has been intent to aggravate your woe. And perhaps He has. But praise God, He is answering your prayer. And though He refines you in the fire, in the crucible. There as a silversmith, he looks into your life that he might be able to look into that crucible and see his own reflection. And where there's not, he scrapes away the dross and sometimes he just heats up that crucible. But I hope that's your prayer. Don't be afraid to pray that prayer this morning that God would make you look like Christ. Because that's what we've been called to. We just prayed it this morning together. Oh God, that You might make us manifest You for all endurance and patience with joy. That we might be able to share Christ with others. That we might have a a walk that is worthy. That's the beautiful thing we have just asked of Him this morning. And I hope you mean it. Because, going back to the first thing we said, sang, I hope it's true, you'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Well, this weekend, as we kind of come to a close, I know that many of you came and and heard uh, Tim and Steve as they taught about how the church is to structure to be able to manifest Christ and his glory to the world and it was uh, beneficial for me and I hope it's beneficial for you and the people of Coram Deo Baptist Church in Grand Prairie send their greetings and their love and their prayers to you we are excited about what the Lord is doing among you and we we promise to to walk alongside of you, um, to to help and to aid in any way that you might be uh, used to, as as to, to leverage the kingdom in Le Crete and to show the mighty power of of Christ and His salvation to your neighbors and to your friends and to your families and 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 even to those that God is using to refine you. Even those that we may look at this morning in Psalm 120 and say, I, I know that situation full well. And I have faces uh, to put to those lips and, and to those tongues. And, and we know that you're going through so much, uh, but we promise that we will pray for you uh, in, this, in this journey. Again, we're excited about what the Lord's doing here, and, I, and we, we really hope that you are as well. And, I, and just in case you didn't know, I'm the pastor there <laughs> of Corum Deo Baptist Church. Coram Deo is Latin, just means before the face of God. We are a people who we want to live in the presence of God, under the authority of God, and to the glory of God in all things. And we hope that that is your prayer as well, even though you might not be Coram Deo Baptist Church. You, we still all live in that way. So hopefully you're in Psalm 120. Hopefully you're in Psalm 120. I want to just read it for us, and then we'll go back through it and see what the Lord has to say for us. This is Psalm 120. In my version, Uh, the title above it is, Deliver Me, O Lord. Verse 1 says, A song of ascent. In my distress I called to the Lord, and He answered me, Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you? And what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Oh, woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace. But when I speak, they are for war. The book of Psalms is just a book of praises. It's a unique book because it's a book that's inspired by God because all of Scripture is God-breathed. And it is God-breathed. But it's the songbook for the church. It's, It's inspired songs that God says, I will inspire these songs that you may sing them back to me. It's unique in that way. No other book is is for that purpose but the book of Psalms. The Psalms, all the Psalms are are filled with the attributes of God. We find His glorious attributes here in, 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 in full display, in poetic language. Not only do, do we see that, but we see uh, the Psalms are filled with prophecies. Even Jesus would say all the things that were required in the law and in the prophets and in the Psalms. Must be completed, must have been completed in my life as he walked with those men on the road to Emmaus. That's what he told them. So they have prophecy here as well. Don Whitney states this. He says, The Psalms are like a condensed version of the Bible. Every doctrine in the Bible is here, either in the bud or in the flower, but they're all there. There's a psalm for every season of the soul. Psalms are relatable. It takes very little effort to personalize a psalm. We can go into the psalms and we can find every season of our soul made manifest there and it resonates with our hearts. And we feel that. We say, you know, I feel as if I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, but I have a shepherd, a good shepherd. Athanasius, uh, uh, a patristic, a father of the faith, said this of the psalms. He said, Whatever your particular need or trouble from the same book, you can can select a form of words to fit it. We can find our prayers right here. We can resonate and pray the Psalms in a way where we go, this is the prayer of my heart as well. As we consider this Psalm in particular, I want you to notice right there in verse 1, it says a song of ascent. Well, this is where these songs of ascent start if you just flip through the next few pages you'll see all the way to to number 134 where they come to a close these are songs of ascent they were psalms that were sung by pilgrims that would go on their journey to jerusalem so uh, whether it was a festival day we just saw in john 10 that the feast of dedication was upon them and many people would go up to Jerusalem. And the reason why they would say they would go up is because Jerusalem was a city on a hill. It's set up on a hill. And so uh, wherever you're coming from, you would end up going up. And so these Psalms of Ascent, uh, I-, I consider it maybe a road trip mix. Maybe you go on vacation and you, you know, you burn a CD and you're like, these are going to be the songs of our vacation. Um, and so you you listen to them you're, the entire time you're away. Well, in some re- regard, this was their road trip mix. They're going up for these feasts and these festivals, and God has inspired that they sing these things to Him as they go up. So that's what these Psalms of Ascent mean, is that they're going to sing these songs as they set their eyes on Jerusalem. As they set their eyes on not just Jerusalem, but on what's represented there. The temple is there. And what is the temple but the place in which the glory of Almighty God dwells? We're going to meet with the Lord. Let us sing and make music in our hearts toward Him. But let's also remind our hearts why. Another song uh, that we sing, in our church is arise my soul arise maybe you sing that here maybe you don't but it says arise my soul arise shake off your guilty fears bleeding sacrifice on my behalf appears before the throne my surety stands before the throne my surety stands my name is written on his hands and it it, it's mainly a call to worship because sometimes we come into a place like this knowing that we come here to worship the Almighty God and, and for what He is, for who He is and for what He has done in sending Christ to be our ransom, to be our Savior. And it should be something that we rejoice in and that we're glad in. But, you know, sometimes we come in and we're just, we're not ready to worship. We're down. And, and sometimes our souls, our own souls need a pep talk. And we have to take our soul by the lapel and bring it close and say, arise. You've got no reason to remain somber. You've got no reason to remain in chains. They're gone. Arise. Arise, my soul, arise. Maybe we need to do that more often. Arise, my soul. Look to your hope and these psalms of ascent are like that. They are reminding themselves where they're going and who they are going to worship. And no matter what is going on around them, they're trying to direct their eyes. God is saying, "Use these songs to direct your eyes to me, no matter what is going on around you." So Psalm 120 is essentially the prayer of a pilgrim. He is beginning his journey. He's looking out and he's going, "Oh, but Jerusalem is so far." Jerusalem is so far to go to worship Him, he might get in his mind these thoughts of, well, maybe I just won't go. Maybe I won't go after God today. He's planning his journey to Jerusalem and life bogs him down. Can't we relate to that? Can't we relate to this? We know God has called us to Himself. He has deposited the Holy Spirit within us, and our spirit groans. It does. Worship. Worship Him. But our flesh is so weak. So sometimes we have to remind our heart, our soul, our mind I'm going to worship. No matter what may be bogging me down, I am going to worship. Because of who God is and what He's done. Have you ever come to worship? The Lord, together, gather yourselves together and, and you're upset? It happens, doesn't it? We get upset. We, we're sad. We're, we're conflicted. We have so many emotions as we come to worship Him. Have you come and in, in your mind you just can't focus? It's on other things, on things that trouble you. You know, one of the ways we love the Lord God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength is to wrestle our minds away from those troubles and to point our minds and direct our minds to God and to His Word. And sometimes it's tougher than other times. But that's the confliction that we see going on in the heart of the psalmist here in Psalm 120. Well, I'm going to give us a bit of a road map for where we're going as we look at this psalm. So, verse 1, we're going to consider... An appeal answered. An appeal answered in verse one. In verses two through four, we see an affliction avenged. I'm a Baptist pastor, right? So I've got to, I've got to do this uh, alliteration thing for you. Uh, an appeal answered. An affliction avenged. And then in verses five through seven, we see an alien account. An alien account. So that's where we're going. That's, what we're going to ask the Lord to show us these marvelous things in His Word. Let's pray together. Father, You know every heart and every mind in this room. You are omniscient, all-knowing. Father, we thank You that though we may be so far from You, Your beck and call is to come. We thank You for a precious Savior that is worth more than silver or gold or worldwide fame or houses or lands. Oh Lord, would You so grip us with Your grace and Your mercy through Christ Jesus that that would be the cry of our hearts. Lord, would You aid us by the power of Your Holy Spirit that we might shake off our guilty fears knowing that in Christ all our sins are washed away that we can come this morning and look to You and see You. Though through a glass dimly, we know that one day we will see face to face. Oh Lord, would You speak to us from Your Word this morning? Would You encourage the hearts that need to be encouraged? Would You strengthen feeble knees? Would You bind up the brokenhearted? Would You be our God, for we are Your people? Lord, as we look to Your Word today, we ask, that You would speak to our hearts marvelous things. We know that it is for our good and ultimately it is for Your glory. So Lord Jesus, we glorify Your name this day. Would You help us to walk worthy to do so every day? We pray this in Your precious name. Amen. Amen. Let's look at verse 1 together, this appeal answered. Look at what he cries. Listen to this song that God has inspired him to sing. In my distress, I called to the Lord and He answered me. What a precious truth this is. What a great reminder from the outset of his journey, from the outset of his worship in my distress I called to the Lord and He answered me. So we know that the desire of the psalmist's heart is that he might be with the Lord. He might be with the Lord in fellowship with Him, that he might be able to approach Him and go to His temple where He experiences His presence, where He experiences the mercy seat, that there His sins are covered with the blood of the Lamb. Well, to get there, the road is long. It's an arduous journey. There are lots of things that could beset him along the way. But he says, Lord, I am coming. No matter what distress may befall me, I cry to you, and I know you answer me. So instead of not going, he goes. Instead of turning back, he reminds his his heart I look to the Lord. As I thought about this psalm this last week, I began to think about Bunyan. Bunyan, and he writes his, his magnum opus, The Pilgrim's Progress. And as we follow Christian, who hears the words of evangelists to the celestial city, one of the first places that Bunyan takes Pilgrim on his journey is through the slough of despond. And there he he is so tempted to just in the weight of life as he is bogged down in this slough and he's thinking the celestial city is so far. There are times where he's thinking, I I need to go back to the city of destruction. Psalmist in the same way is probably uh, being tempted with the same things to go back to the city of destruction, but instead he sets his face like Flint and he says, Lord, in my distress... I will call to you knowing you are God who answers prayer. Here's the thing. When we hear the words of evangelists, when God opens our eyes to receive the message of the good news of the gospel, that we have a Savior who pays for our sins, and we say, I will follow Him, we have to understand that does not mean that we now have a life without woe. That everything's gonna be good. No, in fact, oftentimes it means exactly the opposite. It's a long, arduous journey fraught with peril. And that is what God has promised. Christ himself would look at his own disciples and say, if you're gonna follow me, you need to pick up your cross daily. This is a daily thing. And follow after me. Crucify yourself. Because you will be crucified. You have died to your own way. You've died to your own way. And if you're a baptized believer, a believer who's been baptized, i, I got to remember where I am, right? If you're a believer who's been baptized, that's what you've shown. I have died with Christ. I'm, I have gone down into the depths with Him and you can't see me any longer. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live I've been buried with him in his likeness but I've been raised to life to the newness of life to follow after Christ and no matter what comes my way I will trust him in the same way that's what the psalmist is reminding himself of that there is joy found in the Lord and for us there is joy found in Christ and that he guards our heart with peace Peace is the sentinel that guards our hearts in Christ Jesus. We no longer have to be anxious. But how does that come to play? It doesn't just happen like that, but God says if you pray, it happens. Philippians 4 speaks of that, if you're interested. Philippians 4, 7. 4, 4 4-7 talks about these anxieties, but prayer and what, what happens there. We experience joy and peace when we pray. And the psalmist does this just right from the outset. You know, I, I know that it's sometimes cute and pithy, but think about the words of the hymn. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And it becomes so common because it's such a common hymn that we go, oh yeah, yeah you know sure but it's true there's it's true you remind yourself of truth when you sing that song and it should remind you i need to pray i need to cast my burdens before the lord if we do not do this with thankfulness oh we will wane we will forget his goodness for us and our worship will not be genuine and ultimately we will continue to suffer he is immortal. He is invisible. He is God only wise, and we have to remember our our hope and assurance. Hope and assurance are for the taking, and they're not just a warm blanket of emotion. They are truths that can be found in the rock solid word of God, because He keeps our feet from stumbling. So He says, "I, tr- I, I in my trouble I cried to the Lord. The Lord, here if you'll look is in all caps." Lord, the covenant name of God, Jehovah or Yahweh, covenant keeping God. In Isaiah, God would reveal not everyone has the right to call him Lord, and not everyone's prayers are going to be answered. He says, in fact, for those who worship hypocritically, who may praise him, with his lips, but their hearts are far from him, he says, I stop up my ears. I don't hear you. I will not hear you. And I will not answer. But here's the thing. If you're in Christ this morning, even though there might be times where you feel as if you're playing the hypocrite, we can know that God will never turn away the presence of His Son. Christ intercedes for us. He does. Right now, before the throne of God, He intercedes. He prays for us that we might have strength and endurance and that God might hear us in his, on His behalf. And though we might feel like sometimes we're a derelict son or daughter not doing what we should, we can make sure that we know it is not based upon our merit but on the grace of God who has based it all upon Christ's merit. We have a great high priest who is made like us in every way yet without sin. And He is an acceptable and pleasing Son. God looks at Him. And when He looks at us, if we are in Him, He sees Christ. And He answers for the sake of His own Son. So you may feel like, I can't come to the Lord. I can't bear my soul. I'm in such distress, but I can't approach Him. If you're in Christ, shake off your guilty fears. And look to Christ. Look to Him. He is your only hope. So, let's uh let's look at the affliction avenged affliction avenged verses two through four deliver me o lord from lying lips from a deceitful tongue what shall be given to you and what more shall be done to you you deceitful tongue a warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree this is the description of the distress that was mentioned in verse one this is the distress It's coming from the tongues and lips of men. Now, it's true that in Romans 3, Paul says he uses the mouth to describe the depravity of man. He says, behind their lips they spew venom. Underneath their tongue is the venom of asps. Their throats are an open grave. And so he uses every part of the mouth to show all of us is corrupt. See, our mouths speak of what the heart truly is. That's what Scripture tells us so that's the reason why it would say of christ no deceit was found in his mouth none and so he was pure but here we find and we have to understand the psalmist is 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 a is a god fear he's a worshiper of the lord we can we can say that the psalmist is saved so what is this what, what is this distress with the lying lips and the deceitful tongue it's of others it's of others who, is lo- who are looking at his life and are thinking of him as a God worshiper trying to strive to worship the Lord rightly and go on to Jerusalem to, this, to where he can find his sins forgiven and he can worship in the presence of the Lord and they're looking at him and they're lying about him. And they're being deceitful about this one. This activity, this slander, this libel comes with being a dedicated follower of Christ it does you may be experiencing it in your life right now praise God for it praise God for it one reformer comments on this very point talking about this being one of the greatest trials we can endure and he says slanderous tongues did not even spare the son of God didn't we read that this morning In John 10, they said, He has a demon. He's insane. Didn't spare even the Son of God. A consideration which should induce us to bear the more patiently our condition when the wicked traduce us undeservedly since it is certain that we have described the common lot of the whole church. You're not alone. You're not alone. We go through this journey together being slandered for what we say we believe. Yes, our character, our integrity, our lives can become the object of scrutiny, of scandal. And for many of you, it already has happened. And it happens because you have dedicated yourselves, hopefully it's this reason, to truly follow Christ and follow in the commands of Scripture. But no matter what you might endure, brother and sister I plead with you this morning do not turn away do not turn back do not lose hope God sees everything and Jesus is worthy you just sang it this morning you're worthy I'd rather have you than anything I'd rather have you than the praise of men. Let them curse me. As long as you're with me. That should be the prayer of your heart. In your distress, cry out to Him. Brother and sister, pray through this. Pray through these challenging times. Ask the Lord to deliver. He wants to deliver. He is a God who saves. That you might be able to turn and pray. Praise him. Spurgeon, always so descriptive in his language, eloquent, right? He mentions this. He says, we could ward off the strokes of a cutlass, but have no shield against a liar's tongue. Like the plague of the flies of Egypt, it baffles opposition, and a few can stand before it. Detraction touches us in the most tender points, cuts to the quick and leaves venom behind, which is difficult to extract. In all ways, it is a sore distress to come under the power of the slander of the foulest whelp of sin. Even in such distress, we need not hesitate, cry unto the Lord. Silence to man and prayer to God are the best cures for the slander of evil. Listen to me. God hears you this morning. His ear is not so heavy that it does not hear. His arm is not so short that it does not save. And He will avenge. He will. He will either save those who lie against you, and we can pray to that end, or they will be judged. And we can praise God in either because surely the judge of all the earth will do what is right. So look at verse 4. He states, A warrior's sharp arrows and glowing coals of the broom tree. It's an interesting statement. Let us not forget. This is poetry. So this is poetic. But the interpretation of the passage goes a few different ways. But the truest way to understand it, I believe, is that the onslaught of arrows of the enemy will be paid back with God's arrows that are sharper. And, and though they might want to heap fiery coals upon us, we know that God will heap fiery coals upon them. Here is mentioned the broom tree. Broom tree was one of those trees that they would go out to and they would, they would, uh, dig into the ground. They would take the roots, a part of the root, and they would burn it because those broom tree roots would burn longer and hotter. And so that's where God's, God's judgment is even greater. His burning is even Greater. his heat of judgment is greater he will not allow the guilty to go unpunished they may hurl arrows but the Lord has many more they may hurl, hurl coals but the Lord has brimstone and fire for those who hate him and his children this is the psalmist in the midst of great trial and he's reminding himself there will be an end to this there will be and God will avenge me they will one day stand before the Lord so I don't need to take things into my own hands. The Lord sees and the Lord will repay. One of the commentators, Derek Kidner, said this, God's coals are hotter and God's arrows are sharper than any of those that afflict God's people with the sins of their tongue. He goes on to say, The liar, wounding though his weapons are, will be destroyed with far more potent shafts than lies. God's arrows of truth and His coals of judgment we can trust that the Lord of all the earth will do what is right. Let's look at this last point, an alien's account in verses 5-7. through seven, An alien's account. Woe to me! I sojourn in Meshach. I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace. But when I speak, they are for war. These verses are the psalmist reminding himself of his own identity in contrast to those he lives around. He feels that living in this world is like sojourning in a foreign land. He says, I I know I'm not where I'm bound for. No, I am bound for the promised land. I'm bound to be in the presence of my King in that fair land to which I go. I'm just a poor wayfaring stranger. We should feel this way. We really should. You might say, well, I grew up here. I was born and raised right here. This is my home. No, this is not your home. You have been called a kingdom citizen. And one day we will see the kingdom of our Christ will become The kingdom of this earth, excuse me, will become the kingdom of our Christ. As it says in Revelation, and He will reign forever and ever. And we can sing the Hallelujah Chorus, right? That's where that comes from. That's where Handel would would take that Scripture and he would say, Hallelujah. Praise God that one day we will experience that. But until then, we will hope. We will hope and we will say, this place is not my home. I'm just passing through. My place is in the kingdom of the king. And then and I am an adversary, I am an adversary no longer. I am now an ambassador of his. I'm a son, I'm a daughter. He says, Woe to my soul, I feel the heaviness because I feel like I'm in Meshech. I dwell among the tents of Kedar. These are just geographical frontiers. These are some of the places in the known world at that time that were far from Jerusalem. Remember, that's where God's presence dwelled. And he's He's thinking how far I am from the presence of God. And as I dwell here, these people, among these people, it weighs my soul down. They're lying. Their lips, their violent barbarism. Meshach was a, an area around the Black Sea in Turkey and it was known for barbarians. Barbarians were barbaric. A lot of violence there. He says, I feel like that's where I live. Or in Kedar. kedar was one of the sons of Ishmael, an, an Arab. And there they were known, it was southeast of Jerusalem, and they were known to be very violent as well. So now he's talking about, he goes from the violence of lips to now true violence. He says, I live among both at times, and I feel the weight of that. And I long... In a place like this, I just long for peace. And maybe that's where some of you are today. You're like, there's so much strife. I just long for peace. Maybe that's the prayer of your heart. Living in the midst of a people that are opposed to God can impact your soul greatly. And God is giving this psalm, this first psalm of ascent, to say, in a way, He knows. He knows. He does. He knows what that is like. Hebrews 2.18 would say, For because He Himself has suffered when tempted, He is able to help those who are being tempted. Great and sympathetic high priest we have. He knows. And we think upon the distinction that those who are called out, because that's what the church means, called out ones, we should look different We are to be different. We are to be aliens and strangers in our own hometown. We're to look like it. It should remind us, though, of our constant need for Christ. It should. I need you, Lord Jesus. I need you. You are my rest. You are my Sabbath rest. And I need it but I'm afraid we get so friendly sometimes with the world that we don't think this way. And that can be a real challenge for us. Love not the world or the things of the world, but don't we struggle with it? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the boastful pride of life, they tear at us. We can find ourselves right there in the midst of the assembly doing some of the same things that they do. When you're away from the Lord spiritually, it's a great detriment to your soul. And that's why the great and good shepherd this morning calls to you and me. Come home. Come. Come. You don't have to want any longer. Come to me. Even in this, in this land, even though we, we seem so separated, I am so near to my beloved. Call to me. I can make you lie down in green pastures. I can lead you beside quiet waters. I can restore your soul. And even when I determine not to do that, though I might lead you into the valley of death, if you look at that psalm, you'll see it's second person. You, or excuse me, He, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me. He does this. He does this. And then the language changes right there when it starts to talk about stress. Valley of the shadow of death. Prepare a a, a table for me in the presence of my enemies. He says, you. See, when things are going great, we don't feel that nearness. We speak as if he leads me, he leads me, he, he, he. But then when God determines to take us through stress in life, our language changes. You. You start to realize, you know, while I'm enjoying the sweet grass of the meadow and the quiet waters... The shepherd's over here. He's doing his thing. But then when we're led through the valley of the shadow, we start to realize my eyes have to be on the shepherd. And I have to remind myself, you're here. You, God, are with me. And surely, even though I endure all this, goodness and mercy will follow me. I love that language because in the original language, it's hunt me down. (laughs) It will hunt me down the rest of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God will put us in these situations to remind us of the importance of His presence. And some of you are in the thick of it right now. Be reminded, He is with you. And He is your only source of peace, though they may make war against you. You may feel like aliens and strangers. Again, you should. First Peter. 2, 10 through 12 says this, Once you were not a people, but you are now God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. You may feel like, yeah, well, I don't live among pagans. I live among the religious. They can be worse. They were worse to Jesus, were they not? And it happens. But you still have to go, I'm going to follow Christ. I am. I'm going to look to Him. And I know that my journey is long and Jerusalem's out here and I feel like I'm away from the presence of God, but I'm going to determine in my heart I will not turn back. I will run to him, and in my distress, I will cry to him, and he will see me through. And the next psalm it says, "I look, my eyes are lifted to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He is able to do with whomever he wishes, however he wishes. And I can trust that if someone is causing me such distress, I can pray, "Lord, move me or move them, and he will do either, and I can trust he will. And he answers that prayer. I've seen him answer that prayer in my own life. We're strangers, living in a way that's a challenge, but we're equipped by Christ to do so. We are. And it's His Word. His Word, it says, makes the man of God complete, not lacking anything. Two words that are synonymous for being perfect, complete, That little word in there for fully equipped is is like you're going on a journey and you have everything you need to sustain you through the journey. In worst case scenario even, you have a wagon that is outfitted with every need you will have on your journey. Worst case scenario. That's God's word for us. Let me encourage you, brothers and sisters, as you face this this time of unsurity, of trial, maybe even those that lie against you. You have a trustworthy word and it will equip you to endure all things. It will. So when you come together, sing. Sing loud. You encourage one another with hymns, songs, and spiritual songs. When someone comes to this pulpit and they exegete, and exposit the Word of God, listen with willing ears. And when you leave this place, don't let the next time you hear God's Word be in this place. (laughs) Be in His Word. Because there will come to a point where you will feel like giving up. Do not give up. God is near you. And when you endure In this trial, you are salt and you are light. And people wonder about the hope that you have and you will have opportunity to share the hope that you have. I have a great Savior who sees me through it all. I have a great hope and it is found in Christ and in Christ alone. Scripture reveals to us Scripture reveals to us that we fall short of God's standard in every way. And because we fall short of God's standard, there is punishment for that. The wages of sin is death. And we experience that because we are sons of Adam. You might say, my dad's not Adam. No, We're sons of the first person, Adam, who sinned against God. And because of that, we will sin. We sin. I've got three precious children. I don't have to teach them to do what is right. Or, excuse me, I don't have to teach them to do what is wrong. You're like, wow, you got children like that? Tell me how you got them. <laughs> I'll trade you. No. We have precious children, and we were children at one time, many of us. And, and we did not have to be taught to do what was wrong. We just did what was wrong. That's our natural inclination. It shows something is very broken with our hearts. Yes, it shows that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Scripture says it. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. And so we have to be awakened from this death-like slumber. Faith comes through hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And this is the call. Trust in Christ. God took on flesh. He lived a perfect life. He was not like us. He didn't have to be taught to do what was right. He was just right. And He lived that way His entire life. And so He obeyed every command for us. And then He took the cross to pay our penalty. The language of Scripture is He was raised up on the cross to intercede for us, to intercept the wrath of God, the anger of God, do our sin. And it says, by believing in him, we may experience salvation. We're saved. If you've never done that, let me encourage you, talk to your mom or dad, talk to your pastors, talk to those who you know, trust in the Lord, and they will tell you what it means to be his. I trust they will. Christian, cultivate your relationship with Christ this morning. You are an alien and a stranger, and you may feel alone at times, but you are not alone. God has gathered this little group to be together, but even when you're apart, Christ is with you, Christian. He dwells in you. Christ came to the religious, and he commanded them repent. It's not just a one time thing. We have to live our lives in a constant state of turning back to Christ. We do. Let me encourage you, do not grow weary of doing that and do not grow weary of doing good for in due season you will reap if you do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith, especially of those who walk this pilgrim way together. Thank you for giving me this time. I just want to leave you with this. I'm going to leave you one more time with Bunyan in the Pilgrim's Progress. As he had to walk as Christian had to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he was afraid. There was a ditch on one side and there was a chasm on the other. Small little road, a narrow way, a narrow path that he had to walk. And he walked it and though there were things around him and he could not see, all he had was the lamp that was the word of God for his feet. And even then he thought he might give up. But then he began to hear the song of another through the fog. And they were singing. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie in fields of green. He leads me sit beside the still, still waters. His goodness restores my soul. Though I may walk in the valley of the shadow, I will fear no evil for God is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. Even among my enemies, he prepares a table. And goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And he hears that through the fog and through the, the smoke. And he finds a friend. And his friend's name is Faithful. And Faithful walks with him. Be a faithful. Be a faithful to someone as you endure what you have to endure. I love you. I do. As brothers and sisters, I will pray for you. Pray that God reminds me to pray for you and my church to pray for you. Um, Let me pray for you now. Father, we thank You for this morning. We thank You for Your truth. We pray that it would guide us in this dark and dry land that we sojourn. Oh, that You might cause us to look to Christ and God even as we sang this morning that we might know your grace your love and that we might be more like you we know that you are sovereign and your prerogative is to do whatever that means Lord help us to be willing to put ourselves in the crucible and to praise you for it pray for this group Pray for your sons and your daughters here. That they might endure. And that they might be patient. With joy. Because you have called them to an inheritance of the saints in light. Thank you for redeeming our souls from the pit. And giving us a hope in you, Lord Jesus. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen.